You're listening to Comedy Central. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. July 18, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. journalist and an author here with an amazing new book about the lost schoolgirls of Boko Haram. Aisha Sese is joining us, everybody! <laughs> also on tonight's show, Puerto Rico is hit by a political storm, why you're gonna get zero likes on Instagram, and Trump releases his latest hit. So, let's catch up on today's headlines. <laughs> let's begin with the weather. If you're one of those people who spent the first half of the year saying, oh, I wish it was summer already. (laughs) Well, your wish has been granted, you son of a bitch. Much of the country is feeling the heat tonight. Excessive heat warnings are in effect from central Oklahoma to Pennsylvania this evening. The start of a heat wave that's spreading fast, spreading east, and bringing triple-digit temperatures to the northeast by the weekend. 170 million now at risk. Millions bracing for a record-breaking heat wave. It will feel like at least 100 degrees across 40 states. Sun so intense, it's buckling roads in Wichita and slowing trains in Chicago. Fears the heat will actually bend the tracks. Yeah, that's right. It's so hot, even roads and train tracks are buckling. Like, forget nudes. People are gonna start sending photos of their air conditioners. Just be like... (laughs) Yo, yo, you want a Netflix and actually chill? <laughs> in fact, it's so hot in New York that this morning on the subway, there was a naked person, right? And instead of everyone being like, Ugh, everyone's like, yeah, he's got a good point. Yeah, we should also, <laughs> we should also get it off. Now, remember, people, in a heat wave, you gotta make sure that you keep cool, all right? You gotta be safe. So drink a lot of water, stay out of the sun, and here's my personal tip for all of you. Switch to the metric system. Yeah, because everything sounds hotter with American numbers. Yeah, like it's 100 degrees, 115. I use Celsius, it's only 42. Yeah, it's not that bad. I'm like, mm, 42, I could use a jacket. Mm, yeah, yeah. And if the weather has uh, tempted you to put on a skimpy outfit and uh, post a photo for Instagram for some sweet likes, some bad news. 
Today, Instagram is expanding a test of a new feature that hides the number of likes on posts. The aim is to remove the pressure of collecting likes. The test started in Canada in May. It's now rolling out in Australia, New Zealand, Ireland, Italy, Japan, and Brazil. Last month, the head of Instagram told Gail the platform is committed to minimizing the stress of competing for likes. Users will see a liked by a username and others below their posts instead of the number of likes. Wait, Instagram is getting rid of likes? I just got those butt implants and now you're getting rid of likes? Huh? Is Zuckerberg gonna reimburse me? I couldn't sit for a week. <laughs> I'll be honest, I get what they're trying to do, but this goes too far because likes are a fundamental part of Instagram. You can't change the hearts of a platform. Getting rid of likes on Instagram would be like if Twitter got rid of all the white supremacists, huh? Then <laughs> what would be left? Just six dudes telling you to check out their SoundCloud. Come on, people. <laughs> and I know they say it's for better mental health and photos shouldn't be about getting likes. To that I say bullshit. Social media is about getting likes. <laughs> if you just want to see pictures, go to your grandmother's house, look at a photo album, <laughs> show you all her dead friends, and this was Mary. <laughs> you know what this is like? Is those people who be like, social media shouldn't be about likes. Yes, because you don't get likes. <laughs> right, I said it, I said it. <laughs> it's like, this is like someone being like, oh, fishing is not about catching the fish. It's about hanging out. It's about chilling. That's what my dad said. Yeah, because your dad couldn't catch any fish. That's why. <laughs> If your dad was good at catching fish, he wouldn't have time to talk about fishing. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> if you're planning on staying inside during the heat wave, you might want to make sure you've locked all your doors. A woman in Tennessee found out bears don't just climb trees. She was eating oatmeal on her balcony when that bear decided it wanted to taste. Oh, she ran inside, shut the door just as that bear made it onto the deck. She barely made it inside. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, a woman in Lake Tahoe kept the camera rolling as a bear tried to break into her cabin. It managed to stick its nose through an open window. Police officer later scared it away. Okay, I'll be honest. I don't get what the problem is here, huh? Because when Goldilocks went into a bear's home and ate all of their oatmeal, everyone was like, oh, this is cute, huh? There were children's books about it, but when a bear does it, suddenly people are calling the cops, huh? The three bears didn't call the cops on Goldilocks, no. They said, you know what, she's just a girl. She doesn't need a criminal record, yeah? But now this bear's life is ruined. <laughs> this bear could have been president. <laughs> All right, that's it for the headlines. Let's move on to our top story. <laughs> Donald J. Trump. From the beginning of his political journey, he has struggled with some of the traditional aspects of the job. You know, formulating policy, uh, international diplomacy, not banging porn stars. But <laughs> there's one part of politics where Donald Trump has always been at home. Rallies. Trump and rallies go together like jacuzzis and UTIs. <laughs> it's the place where he feeds off the energy of his supporters and he lets his mind roam completely free. And yesterday in North Carolina, he was firing on all cylinders. It's wonderful to be back in this beautiful state with thousands of hardworking North Carolina patriots, and thank you for your support. Do you know what medieval style is? Okay? Little pieces, little pieces, little pieces. Medieval style. I lost all my friends! Sir, my name is Raisin. I said, Raisin? Like, you mean a little raisin? That is a beautiful baby! We have all night. We can have a lot of fun tonight. I have nothing to do. Nothing. Nothing! What, nothing to do? 
This guy's president of the United States and he sounds like your buddy who just got laid off. Where's the party at, bro? It's Tuesday morning and I've got nothing to do. Nothing, like, Trump acts like all the country's problems have been solved. I bet you somewhere in Texas, there's a border agent handling the crisis, like, dealing with the kids, and he's like, oh, really? There's nothing you could be working on right now? And last night, last night had all of the hallmarks of Trump's rallies at their best. You know, call and response, bragging about his achievements, stories about mythical people who tell him what a great president he is. But then... (laughs) But then he changed gears. Changed gears, and he zeroed in on the story that's been dominating the news all week. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the squad. And tonight I have a suggestion for the hate-filled extremists who are constantly trying to tear our country down. They never have anything good to say. That's why I say, hey, if they don't like it, let them leave, let them leave. (laughs) Cortez, somebody said that's not her name, it's... They said that's not her name, sir. I said, no, no, I don't have time to go with three different names. We'll call her Cortez. Too much time, takes too much time. My man, you just told us you literally had nothing to do. (laughs) I have more time than anyone in the... I got nothing to do. Can you say this congresswoman's full name? Whoa, 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 I don't have time for this. You think these crazy tweets write themselves? (laughs) And I guess, I guess maybe, maybe Trump didn't have time to say her name because he wanted to leave more time for the crowd to boo all of the members of the squad. Uh, although something tells me there's one member of the squad Trump supporters aren't really familiar with. When you see the four congresswomen, oh, isn't that lovely? <laughs> Representative Ilhan Omar. <laughs> Representative Rashida Talib. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Representative Ayanna Presley. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, okay, that was was hilarious. Because they clearly don't know who Ayanna Presley is. Everyone else, they were like, oh, and then with her, was like, oh, we're still, we're still reading up on her. <laughs> and I'll be honest, I'll be honest, if I was Ayanna Presley, I wouldn't know how to feel about this. No, because on the one hand, I don't want to get booed. On the other hand, I don't want to be left out by being the only person who doesn't get booed, you know? Yeah, like if all my friends got booed and I didn't, I'd be like, guys, am I not booable? Am I, am I? You would tell me if I wasn't booable, right? Like. <laughs> you know what, I'm gonna go to Instagram and see if I... Wait, there's no likes and no one likes me? <laughs> but while the crowd may not have been as familiar with Ayanna Presley, it was very clear how they felt about Ilhan Omar. It was the defining moment of the president's rally Wednesday night in North Carolina. The raucous crowd unleashing a new chant, send her back. And obviously and importantly, Omar has a history of launching vicious anti-Semitic screeds. Wow. Send her back. A U.S. citizen, send her back. Yeah, it almost makes you miss the innocent days when all Trump's crowd wanted to do was imprison a woman without trial. 
No. Lock her up. Lock. Because that was horrible, but at least Hillary would get to stay in the country, you know? <laughs> and you know, there, there have been several disturbing moments in the Trump presidency, but for some reason, this one moment felt extra disturbing. It's the same way I felt when Ted Cruz grew a beard. Like, I... <laughs> I didn't think it could get any worse, but here we are. And I, I'm far from the only one who felt that way about this moment in the rally. I mean, pretty much everyone who watched this thing was sickened by what they saw. A group of Republican congressmen even personally expressed their concerns about it to Mike Pence in a secret morning meeting. Yeah. And the backlash was so intense that even the president himself tried to distance himself from his crowd. When your supporters last night were chanting, chanting, send her back, why didn't you stop them? Why didn't you ask them to stop saying that? Well, number one, I, I think I did. I started speaking very quickly. It, it really was a loud... I disagree with it, by the way. But it was quite a chant. And uh, I felt a little bit badly about it. But I will say this, uh, I did, and I started speaking very quickly. But it started up rather rather fast, as you probably noticed. I was not happy when I heard that chant. Wait, what? <laughs> Sometimes I think this guy thinks, like, cameras don't exist. It's just like... <laughs> how, how is Trump gonna say he wasn't happy with that chant? He inspired the chant. He's the one who tweeted they should go back, right? I mean, he said it in his speech. We saw it. He said it. This would be like the DJ turning on a crowd. You know, like, the DJ's like, everybody make some noise! And the crowd's like, ah! He's like, hey, 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 we got neighbors, we got neighbors. <laughs> Come on, man. It's a Tuesday night, people have things to do. Come on. <laughs> and, like, I, I don't know what's worse. I don't know what's a worse lie. Trump saying that he didn't like the chants, well, that he quickly stopped the crowd from chanting. He said that I quickly stopped them. He didn't stop anything. He was basking in that moment like an iguana soaking up racist sun. Like, come on. <laughs> Like, he let that chant go on for so long, Usain Bolt could have won a gold medal in that time. <laughs> yeah, and that sounds like a joke. It sounds like a joke, but it's also completely true. And she talked about the evil Israel. You see that? Everyone crossed the line before Trump stopped the chants. And look, man, here's the thing. Like, we've seen this before from Trump. If you remember, he's done this. He gets his supporters worked up. He pretends to be shocked. And then it becomes one of his greatest hits when he's on the road. He did the exact same thing with Lock Her Up. Exact same thing. Came out, they shouted, Lock Her Up. And then when they asked him, he was like, I can't, I can't believe it. I don't like it. I don't want Hillary... I don't want Hillary to go to jail. And then, like, a few months later, he was like, Lock Her Up, So we know what's gonna happen. We know where this is gonna go. This is gonna become a thing. And to all those Republicans who felt uncomfortable by what they saw at this rally, maybe instead of complaining about it to Mike Pence in a little meeting, you should step up and do something. Like, what I'm trying to say is, grow some balls. Grow some balls. Grow some balls. We'll be right back. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City 
featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroesfilm.com to get tickets now. Prudential knows that no community is a monolith, and we all have unique financial needs. With black community partners across the nation, Prudential has a remarkable history of supporting communities and institutions that have been overlooked for far too long and are making a tangible impact. This includes their home city of Newark, where they're actively engaged in building stronger financial foundations. They are dedicated to offering equitable financial services that cater to diverse individual requirements while recognizing our shared goal of wealth building. For instance, they've pledged a staggering $1 billion to programs, partners, and initiatives focused on historically excluded communities. It's not just about dreaming anymore. It's about turning those dreams into reality by creating blueprints for generational wealth. Power the dreams of our communities today and future generations tomorrow. Learn more and build your financial blueprint today at prudential.com blueprints. Welcome back to The Daily Show. Puerto Rico, it's the island that doesn't get to vote for president, but still gets the privilege of being yelled at by the president. (laughs) Puerto Rico is still recovering from Hurricane Maria hitting them two years ago. But right now, they're experiencing a very different kind of storm. Tonight, a huge protest is underway in Puerto Rico, where the governor is refusing to step down over a scandal involving leaked private messages. Tonight, more protesters are on the streets of San Juan demanding Puerto Rico's governor resign. There have been other demonstrations in Miami, D.C., and New York. Police in riot gear fired tear gas to break up a crowd in San Juan Monday. There are now thousands of people at this protest, and political pressure here had intensified after federal authorities arrested several local officials last week, accusing them of corruption. All that pent-up frustration is now spilling out into these streets. That's right, the people of Puerto Rico are angry. They are really, they're in the streets, they're marching. You saw the person throwing the tear gas back, which is next level, because I don't think police ever expect that. It's like, throw it, then it comes back, and it's like, ah, 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 ah! You don't want to mess with people who throw tear gas back. I bet even if another hurricane tried to hit Puerto Rico, it'd be like, hurricane, oh, 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 you guys are busy. I'll, I'll, come, I'll, I'll come back. And it's interesting that these Puerto Rican protests have spread to Miami, D.C., and even here in New York. Like, it just shows you how far the Puerto Rican community reaches in the United States. Like, you don't see that with any of the other states, right? If the governor of Texas was in trouble, you wouldn't see cowboys marching in Times Square. (laughs) They wouldn't be like, impeach, y'all! We need to impeach! (laughs) And now the reason Puerto Ricans are up in arms is because they're unhappy, unhappy with how the government has been handling the Hurricane Maria uh, recovery efforts, right? And on top of that, there's been a lot of corruption. In fact, 
Two officials have been charged with stealing federal funds, which is really messed up. Not only did they reportedly steal Puerto Rico's money, but they even stole all those paper towels that Trump threw into the crowd. Yeah. (laughs) So for months, because of mismanagement and corruption, the people of Puerto Rico haven't had a good relationship with their government. And what's made things even worse is the same thing that makes many other relationships get worse, text messages. Governor Ricardo Rosselló has been under fire since nearly 900 pages of a private group chat were leaked and published. The chat is filled with profane, homophobic, and sexist messages. One of them targeting Puerto Rican superstar Ricky Martin, using an expletive to say, quote, he has sex with men because women don't measure up. Another even appearing to make a death threat against the mayor of San Juan, Carmen Yulín Cruz. Puerto Rico CFO texting the governor, quote, I'm salivating to shoot her up. Governor Rosselló responding, quote, you'd be doing me a favor. Whoa. What is wrong with you, dude? Violence, misogyny, homophobia? And can I just say it's extra offensive to diss Ricky Martin in Puerto Rico. (laughs) Uh, You don't come for Ricky on his home turf. That's like talking trash about Derek Jeter at a Yankees game or avocados at brunch (laughs) or hair gel at Don Jr.'s house. (laughs) And these, these leaked texts from the governor have only added fuel to the fire. You know, and once again, people, we're learning. These days, anything you say in private will not stay private forever. Yeah. I think your text is gonna stay, it's not gonna stay there. If you wanna tell your friend a shitty joke, there's only one way to do it now. You drive to the middle of nowhere, (laughs) you meet your friend in an empty field, (laughs) and you whisper the joke in their ear. (laughs) And then when your friend turns around, you shoot them in the back of the head. (laughs) You might go to jail for murder, but you won't get canceled. Cause you can come back from murder. Look at OJ, yeah. If anything, he's gonna get canceled for his tweets. People will be like, did you see what he said on Twitter? What he allegedly said on Twitter. <laughs> now, most politicians would resign after 900 pages of their offensive text were leaked, but not this guy, man. The governor, he's living la vida loco. Even under increasing pressure, and despite several members of Rosselló's staff resigning amid controversy, still, the governor refuses to step down. Rosselló insists he won't resign. I am not proud of what I did. I need to move forward uh, and, and continue on uh, the work that we're doing for Puerto Rico. Yeah, you need to move forward in another job. <laughs> like, I love when people are just like, oh, no, no, I think we should move on, we should move. You can't just move on and expect everyone else will. You know, this is something I feel like some leaders don't understand. Part of being a leader is being held accountable for what you say. And I know you're thinking, oh, but these were my private messages to my friends. Yes, but, but it's what you were thinking as well. It's what you were saying. The people know this now. It's crazy shit. And you'd be like, oh, what about Trump? He says crazy shit all the time. Yeah, he doesn't count, okay? <laughs> Clearly, he can say anything and it doesn't affect him. The rest of us, we're all Billy Bush. That's who we are. <laughs> he says pussy grab and we get fired, never to be heard of ever again. In fact, before every Trump speech, they should put a disclaimer on, like, warning, do not try this at home. The following comments were said by a professional madman. (laughs) Don't try that shit. Here's the thing, like, what, what, like, the governor and many leaders don't realize is that being a leader is about two things. It's about how you do the job, the job itself, and how you represent the people while you're in office. You could be the best general in the world. You fight really well on the battlefield. But when you're giving a motivational speech before the battle, if you start farting, it's gonna throw people off. (laughs) Doesn't affect how you fight, but it's gonna completely undercut you if you can't control your farts. 
Children, gather round. No retreat, no surrender. That is Spartan law. And by Spartan law, we will stand and fight and die. We'll be right back. So, my guest tonight is a Peabody award-winning journalist and author whose new book is called Beneath the Tamarind Tree, a story of courage, family, and the lost schoolgirls of Boko Haram. Please welcome Aisha Sesay. Welcome, Hello. welcome, welcome to The Daily Show. Thank you. It's uh, been a while since I saw you. Um, <laughs> I see you at events, you know, uh, for a long time. I watched you reporting on the news. You were on at CNN, a familiar face. And then you took a break. You just disappeared for, you know, for a while. Mm. And it's because you were writing this book, Beneath the Tamarind Tree, a story of courage, family, and the lost schoolgirls of Boko Haram. Yeah. For many people, Boko Haram was a story of schoolgirls who were kidnapped in Nigeria. It was a trending hashtag. Yeah, bring back our girls. Exactly. And then it just disappeared. What has happened since? Well, so on April 14, 2014, just to give people a little bit of background, the girls were taken. 219 girls disappeared into the forest. Um, and of them, only 107 are back. So this story is far from over. These girls endured years in captivity and horrific days, weeks, and, and, and months of torture, starvation, you name it. Right. Um, and there's still 112 girls missing, which I think is really my motivating factor for this book. It really is interesting that we've known the facts around the story. Some may or may not know that the girls are still missing, but, but what you've done in this book is really interesting because you've told it as a story, which is how I feel human beings mm. truly understand information. Mm. You, you, you went to Nigeria. Yeah. And the story really happened to you? Yes. Like, 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 how did that come to be? Yeah, so, you know, I had been covering the story with CNN from the very beginning in 2014, and I'd stayed on the story. When the girls, the first batch of 21, were released in 2016, right. I dropped everything and went to, to cover it, to meet them for the very first time. What I couldn't have foreseen was that my mother would have a catastrophic stroke in December of that same year that would take me to Nigeria. So I was actually in country. My mother was in a coma in a hospital in Nigeria, um, it happened in, in Sierra Leone, which is where I'm from, but we had to move her for surgery. And it was while I was there that someone said, these girls are going home for the very first time since their abduction. Right. And I had to make a decision. Do I go? Do I leave my mom in a coma to take them home? Or do I stay? And there was this big tussle between what to do. But I felt my mother would want me to honor them and to make the journey home. And that's what I did. It, it is beautiful because this book is a story that, that weaves so many different pieces of thread together. You know, you have the story of these girls. You have the story of your mother who grew up very much like yeah. these girls in a world where she had nothing. She made everything for herself and went on to become a really successful woman who then gave you the life that you got. Absolutely. And so when you look at the story, 
Is there a part of it that connected you to these girls because of your own family? Yeah, without a doubt. You know, I, I say that there's a certain kinship that I feel to them. My mother, um, you know, before she fell so tragically ill, would always refer to them as my sisters. She'd say, wow. you know, she felt it as well because we always discussed how they were on the same path. Um, my mother and these girls, the path of education mm -hmm, and it being mm -hmm. transformational. And so for me, the moment it happened, that's what really struck me, that they were taken from a school where they should have been safe. Right. And they were just trying to do better because they come from such poor families. Most of their parents aren't educated, but they understood that education would make the difference. And if it wasn't for education, I wouldn't be here with you. It's really, it's really a powerful story because you tell the stories as the girls told them to you, yeah. which is interesting because a lot of the time, you know, people tell stories about other humans. And here it feels like these girls are telling us their stories and what happened to them when they were in captivity. We know that this is still happening. We know that the girls are still missing. We also know, unfortunately, in the book, many people don't even believe that it's no. true in Nigeria. They yeah. think it's fake news, mm -hmm. which, is, which is heartbreaking. What can be done? Where do you think the journey goes? And I mean, I, I still want people to read the book, but what do you think happens after this story that people read? Well, I think, you know, the Nigerian government is, is it's a bit like Trump, it's a bit like President Trump. They're incredibly sensitive to criticism. Right. And so with that being said, the spotlight being shone on the Nigerian government once more with this book, will move them to re-engage right, with this right, story. Right. And that's what I really want. You know, the families of the 112 girls feel utterly abandoned. They feel utterly abandoned and forgotten um, by the world, by Nigeria. This book, I hope, will have people back on social media. Social media works, you know? Social media can... Wow, hashtags work? Hashtags can... Oh, wow. You know? Hashtag, hashtags work, hashtags okay. Hashtags work. Um, so if, you, if we can generate a groundswell and get back to using that, get back to saying you must do more, what are you doing? Right. I want everyone here, everyone here watching to use their voice, use their platform to hashtag, to, to, to hashtag and Nigerian government, bring back our girls, right. Chibok girls. It will move the needle. And I tell you how I know that, because since this book came out, the Nigerian government has reached out to me and said, please come so we can talk about this. That is phenomenal news. Thank you so much for being on the show. Really wonderful. Wonderful journalism, a fascinating story. Beneath the Tamarind Trees, available now. I should have to say, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now.